Our gospel text today is from the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in chapter 11, and we are reading through to verse 13. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for, every, er, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, you will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, you will give them a scorpion? If then, who are evil, know how much good gifts to your children or how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The word of God for the people of God. Last year, when we were planning a trip to the beach, I was talking to Chuck Strong about the trip to the beach, and Chuck told me that trips to the beach are excellent because they are basically a factory for sermon illustrations. He's not wrong, and we've been at the beach this week, and since I got as sunburned as I got, uh, I'm going to be preaching today about hell. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not preaching about hell. But I do have a story from our time at the beach this week. We went down with my folks to the infamous 30A area of Florida in Santa Rosa Beach, we went down there at the request of my father because we normally go to the Gulf Shores, Fort Morgan area, uh, but he said, I want some place with wider sand and bluer water. And so we looked around, realized it was just an extra hour drive. It wouldn't be that, that, that bad of a commute. Um, so we figured, why not spice it up a little bit? And we found a really nice little beach house that was just a, about a quarter of a mile away from the beach. It was an easy walk and even easier ride in the pit, back of the pickup truck, just throwing the kids in there. And we showed up. It was beautiful. The water was supposed to be very clear, very blue. My mom sent me a picture of a friend of hers who had been there just a week prior, and it was just kids jumping into, like, like picturesque waters. Uh, it's supposed to be, you know, that nice light blue that you expect from, you know, the Bahamas and stuff. But uh, for some reason, we got there, and the, the water was full of this green, stinky algae. Um, that it's, you couldn't be in the water without your hands coming up, and you look like swamp thing, basically. 
Um, uh, but it was still cool. It was still nice. Uh, we had a great time that first couple of days. And then it was, what, the third day we were there that we showed up and the water was crisp, clear, beautiful water again. Uh, it's, the minnows had showed up to eat the, the algae and you could just see these schools of fish all around your feet uh, the whole time you're in the water. It was beautiful. Uh, and it was so fun to be in the water. We were in the water the majority of that day and all these people had paddle boats, paddle boards, not paddle boats. Paddle, has anybody seen a paddle board before? So if anybody hasn't, you know, it's a, basically a big surfboard that you can stand on with an oar and, you know, just go out in the ocean. Uh, and so I figured out where these people were getting these paddle boards from, walked around the corner to this very surfer looking guy who was really excited to let me rent his last paddle board. It was like meant to be. Uh, it was supposed to be relatively easy. He kept talking about how easy it was to get up on this paddleboard. And I guess it's easy in theory, because in practice, it was probably one of the hardest and complicated things I've ever tried to do in my adult life. Um, Alicia had a similar experience. She also had trouble. Eden, surprisingly enough, could stand on this paddleboard pretty well. It turns out, short people, lower center of gravity, easier to stand on balancing things. I had no idea. Physics is fascinating. Um, but even then, any understanding of paddling technique was lost on Eden. Uh, anything that Alicia and I know from kayaks and stuff, she didn't know how to do, so she couldn't get very far on the thing. Uh, we wouldn't really want her to get that far out anyway, because that's a great way to lose your seven-year-old, just letting her just float out to sea. Uh, so none of us could really grasp this thing. Um, I think this feeling is pretty universal on some level. This feeling of the uh, running into something that is insurmountable, running into something that, that just feels like no matter what you do, you are not made to, to grasp it. You can't figure it out. Whether it's paddle boards or school or writing a book or getting a handle on your diet or your finances, we all come across these things that just seem impossible. I know this, I think, more than anyone else because every single one of those examples I just gave you is something I have personally failed at. Um, it's just those kind of things drive me up the wall, that feeling of not being able to do it. You know what I'm saying? So as we run into these Everests, these things, I, I think that's what causes me to struggle as I read the gospel text today. We see in Luke's gospel the rendition of the sharing of the Lord's Prayer. And you'll notice, especially since we've been reciting it in service here recently, uh, that it's, it's very different than what we're used to. So we're tend, we tend to remember Matthew's rendition of the Lord's Prayer. And we could sit here and try to figure out why it's different and see if we could find some truths in that. But really, it's the part afterwards, the, the parable, uh, that Jesus provides to his disciples uh, that, that really um, makes it hard for me to, to, to understand this text appropriately. Because uh, I don't know if you noticed, he has a Jesus has a specific way when sharing parables to, to initiate the parable. 
He has a very specific kind of like, you know, once upon a time kind of way that he does not follow in this text. Normally when Jesus tells a parable, especially his most famous ones like the, the prodigal son and the good Samaritan and the parable of the talents, they, he always tells these stories of people, right? Just of folks. And he's like, they're once, the kingdom of God is like a, a man doing such and such. The kingdom, the, like, the kingdom of God is like a man uh, getting beaten on the side of the road and these people walk by or something like He never says, you know, you, let's, let's think, put you in this picture, right? Let's not say, hey, okay, so Errol, picture you having a friend. And that friend is doing, like, he doesn't initiate it by bringing you into the story because the nice thing about the parables is we can find ourselves in different parts of them at different times, right? You can, Sometimes when you're hearing the prodigal son story, you could see yourself as that prodigal son who went off and squandered and is coming home. Or you could see yourself as the older brother who's mad that the dad is, is you know, pouring all this love onto the son when you've been there being good the whole time. You could see yourself in these different parts of the story. But in this one, Jesus says, okay, so here's the situation. You have a friend, and you, and he, you show up at his door at midnight, asking for bread. So immediately, there's no option for you to say, am I the guy asking for bread? Am I the guy, you know, getting his door knocked on? Am I the people that showed up in midnight? Uh, which is always rude, especially when there's, there was not a, a, a 24-hour Walmart in, you know, first century Palestine. That's not how anything worked. Um, but Jesus, so puts the disciples and you know, through proxy, puts us into the story, in this situation. So as we're trying to figure out how to pray, Jesus says, picture this. This is the situation you're in. In praying, we're in need in our most desperate hour, and we go to God's door and we ask, right? That makes sense. I mean, that's knocking on a door language is common throughout scripture. It's common throughout. I mean, it's I hear, you know, I stand at the door and knock. It's so that's Jesus knocking, but still, we're still using that same kind of language. So what happens in this story when we stand at the door and knock? When we stand at God's door and ask for help? In this text, in this parable, Jesus then says, God, choose us away because it is too late. It's too annoying. He's busy. It's not the kind of thing that, that he's looking for at this moment. Um, I, it reminds me of one of my favorite songs of all time uh, by a guy named Colin Hay, who was the lead singer of Men at Work, the people who sang Down Under, uh, and a couple of other songs. Uh, but he sings this song, and he, uh, he says, I tried talking to Jesus, but he just put me on hold. He said he'd been swamped by calls this week, and he could not shake his cold. Um, because that's kind of what it feels like sometimes, right? Sometimes we pray, we don't see any sort of response, we don't see any sort of answer. And so we feel this of God saying no. But that doesn't seem like the God that we see in Scripture. It doesn't seem like the God we sing about on regular occasions. It does not seem like the God we're sitting in here to share with each other today. Because Jesus is saying that if the man at the door is persistent, then the jerk of a neighbor inside will eventually show up and do what he's asking him to do out of, out of necessity almost, just as to get this guy to go away. But that's not what 
we should be reading this as on some level. I don't think that's what we should be seeing in this story because I don't think that's how God responds to our prayer. If we are meant to annoy God into submission, every time we come to the Lord with a worry or with a concern or with hopes and with fears, I don't think that's how it works because it doesn't seem like a very consistent relationship. But you see, the word that is translated as persistence in this text is a lesser used Greek word in antiquity. It is translated from the Greek word anadia, uh, which besides this text only shows up in one other text in the Apocrypha. And in that text, it is translated more as shamelessness. And I think that would be more correct to what What's, what's what we're talking about here? So being without shame, coming to the Lord with shamelessness, because that's being above the worry of what we're told, what we understand to be normal. If you think about this story, the man banging on his neighbor's door at midnight is acting shamelessly. Can you imagine your aunts and uncles showing up at midnight, you not having any food? you needing to do something, and you go knock on your neighbor's door. Can you imagine throwing on a bathrobe and walking out to the darkness and hoping against hope that somebody will be awake and somebody will have enough food for the six people that just showed up at your house for no reason, begging for food? What if someone sees you? How do you think the next HOA meeting is going to go? when they're saying we've got to do something about Steve in this late night pillaging of everyone's pantries. Can you believe that kind of behavior? It is a shameless behavior. It is a behavior that does not care what the world expects of you. But it's exactly the kind of shamelessness that rouses God to act on our behalf because God responds to our shamelessness in a way that is honoring and is just. While we were out in the ocean, surrounded by people, I remind you, this was, there was a ton of people at this beach the whole time we were there. We were trying desperately to get on top of that paddleboard. And if anybody has tried to do it, there is not a graceful way to get onto a paddleboard. You gotta be, you know, knee deep in the water or higher up, and you got to basically hop on there and while hopping on, make sure that you're not tumping over as you're doing it. You're basically showing your whole butt to a beach full of people. <laughs> and you can feel that, especially after these people have seen you fall one, two, three, 17 times off this board. They know that you're going to fall again. And we have the bruises, the scrapes, and the sand burns to remind you that we have fallen this many times. There was one time when Alicia and I were trying to sit on it together for some reason uh, that this guy came over and as gently as humanly possible reminded us of the weight limit of the paddleboard. <laughs> but we kept trying. And when we were finally able to get on and stay on, singles, I might remind you, not both at the same time, because that, that was done. Uh, you know, we'd sit cross-legged, 
uh, because we couldn't stand on it, and and paddle out. And you know, you could easily get what you'd say a quarter mile out into the water. Yeah, easily. Uh, and and turn around and be alone with just the sound of the waves lapping up against the thing. The people so far away that you can't hear their their terrible music and their their children screaming and they're fighting over frisbees. And it's peaceful. It's a kind of peace that you don't get very often. I wouldn't say that I have or ever will conquer a paddleboard, but I approached it shamelessly enough to try and had a beautiful moment because of it. I think prayer is similar to this. We don't keep praying for the same folks day in and day out because God needs us to hit a tally before God decides to act. We're not storing up get well soon cards in heaven that can be cashed in later. We're not trying to meet some quota, and if we don't meet that quota, then God takes the person that we are praying for, or God causes that accident that we were hoping would never happen. Prayer is just the opportunity to come to God in our moment of need without shame, without worry, without question, without consequence. It's the moment when God is there to open the door and invite us to the table. If the end of the text today tells us anything, it reminds us that God is good. It reminds us that God cares for us, God loves us, and will continue to strive to do what is best for us. Even if that's not what we'd expect or comprehend, God is not a slot machine and prayer isn't the handle on the side. God's a parent just wanting to sit at the table with God's children and hear about our day. Today we're going to the table. We will be experiencing communion together today to receive the bread that God has given us. We call this bread and this cup communion as it is the shared meal that God offers each of us. It is a chance to commune, to communicate, to experience our creator. All in all, though, it's simply another opportunity to shamelessly knock on God's door looking for bread. And God is always there to provide. Of course, in this moment with this bread, with these people, God maybe is providing not just through the food, but through the faces of our community. Each of us searching for our own bread. Because there's something about a shared meal. There's something about an open table that can turn strangers into friends. We just have to be so bold, so shameless to come to the table and to pray. We have to be so bold, so shameless to invite others to ours. May we each continue to seek God in this place while also being the answer to someone else's prayer as we come up and receive.